Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generation with skills to lead in real life. Today, we're talking about a challenge that so many students faced across the country and around the world, which is they just didn't seem like they were ready. In fact, many of us adults weren't ready for virtual learning, Um, but they're not the only ones who aren't ready. I know you and I have been in situations where we just, we weren't ready for the situation that, that we were in. Um, so I thought we might uh, have a little bit of I fun here. You at the tell beginning. a story on yourself. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that when I was young, I made dumb decisions. Now that was probably true for many people listening, yes. but I, I just feel like I have a extra special place. But early <laughs> on uh, in my teenage years, I was I was learning about. Uh, fire and flammable substances and the way those things worked. And, of course you were. Uh, because what teenage boy didn't do that? So I actually had an instance when I was spending some time with some friends, of course, because that's when you make your worst decisions. And we discovered the flammability of water, shoe water repellent. So it's up for spraying on your yes, shoes, but yes. obviously it's it's massively flammable. So we would try spraying different things and then lighting them on fire. You probably look for that little... Uh, sign on the can. Yes. This is flammable. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Everybody yeah. else reads danger flammable and it says opportunity flammable yeah, to yeah, me, right. I think. Yeah. So we started doing all these different things and I get the bright idea that there was like a little hole in the ground, maybe a squirrel had dug or something like that. And I get the idea to spray a bunch of this inside of that hole and then I'm going to light that hole on fire. I don't really know what's going to happen. I've never done this before. And because of I wasn't ready for this situation. I stood directly over the hole looking down at it in order to light this, and I light the fire. And I mean, I couldn't really see it because I was over top of it, but my friend said a massive fireball comes out of this hole and fully engulfs my head, singes my eyebrows and oh all those gosh. things. I'm lucky that it wasn't yeah. worse than that. But my, I just remember my friends going, dude, your whole head was in a fireball, <laughs> man. Uh, so I, that was definitely one of those situations where I was not ready for the, the things I was doing. Does that maybe explain some of your current behavior? I think you it think? might. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, it, it's at least cluing you into some realities, yeah. I think. So I don't know if I have anything that, that outrageous, but <laughs> I did have a moment. So I was a kid, probably, I don't know, fifth, sixth grade, we were a bunch of us were standing at the bus stop in the morning mm-hmm. uh, on a cold winter day. Snow had fallen, and this was in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the guys, the boys at the bus stop, decided it might be fun to have a little game. So we'd form a snowball and lob it out into the street to see if a speeding car going by, we could hit the windshield. Uh-huh. So it was a timing thing, uh-huh. as well as skills. Yes, of course. So I lobbed a snowball, and maybe lob wasn't the right verb to use. <laughs> I threw a snowball. And hit a car's window. And, of course, we were just all <laughs> celebrating, especially me, like, that yeah! what I'd just done. Yeah. Until the car stopped. Yep. About, I don't know, 500 feet ahead and decided he was going to come back and teach a lesson. And he did. Oh, no. And I learned it. Yes. Oh, no. So he comes back, and I am embarrassed in front of all because he is fit to be tied. Laying into as you. And snowball, of course, has just hit his car, and that was the end of the world, as we know it. Yes. So, But I learned my lesson. I was not ready for that little confrontation. I thought it was going to be a fun experience. It was anything but fun when yeah. it was all over. Well, yeah. these were certainly small moments yeah. in our, our life growing up where we weren't ready, but I think kids today, the year 2020 has been a major curveball, yeah. a major challenge. And, and what we found out very quickly is that 
lots of kids were not ready for that situation, and it caused chaos and disruption in, yeah. in all sorts of forms. Yeah, it did. So the unreadiness that, can I just be the master of the obvious now, on our part as educators and parents and coaches and so forth, was we weren't ready for the technology that we would have to use to uh, successfully finish the school year last year and then enter this year's school year, and in many cases. The students were not ready for it emotionally and mentally. Mm. So there's two different unreadinesses that I want to point out. In fact, yes. many of them were ready technologically. They just weren't ready for what was going to happen mentally. Andrew, you and I both watched an incredible video made by a student, a yes. freshman in high school. Uh, it was called NUMB, mm -hmm. N-U-M-B, NUMB, by a girl named Olivia. She was called Liv, but she made this video herself from her bedroom as she was incarcerated in her bedroom yes. for months and months and months and months. Uh, listeners, I want to encourage you to go find it. It's actually, we I blogged about it. You can find it on our blog or you can look it up on YouTube. It's simply called NUMB. But Andrew, as I watched this young girl, I thought it was brilliantly made. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not sens uh, you know, sensational. It was just brilliantly made as she shows the weeks that turned into months that she was stuck in her room in front of a laptop screen where teachers were trying to encourage her in, their, in her math and science classes or literature classes. But she eventually, I don't want to give it away, but she just shows the anguish she feels by the end of this little four-minute video or five-minute video that she's made. And it just successfully illustrates we weren't ready. Yeah. We were not ready. It's so true. So um, so my big question was, why did virtual classrooms fail this year? I want you to talk for a minute about this. There's some specific reasons why we failed technically, but then I want to get into how can we better and more successfully navigate the future. Yeah, so uh, there was actually... Um, um, there was a, a study that was done by USA Today found that 78% of the thousand students that they surveyed said that they would prefer to live to to be in a classroom. So yeah. they obviously said something about this is not working. And when we investigate what actually happened, the thing that actually sort of fell apart, it was probably much of the stuff that you'll see represented in that video that that Liv McNeil made. Um, uh, the reasons why include all kinds of things from technical challenges. Online learners are often hindered by uh, glitches in technology. In fact, I was just uh, at a rural school a couple of months ago in Indiana, and they've had this challenge immensely. They had some um, hotspots that were donated to the school, but it, but uh, they used them up almost immediately. And the thing that the kids were struggling with is that not only did they not have um, did they not have Wi-Fi at home? But they also didn't actually have uh, cell service at home, so the hotspots weren't even doing them that good. So there's those those kinds of challenges happening all over the country. Uh, another huge issue is safety. Uh, virtual learners are often frequently exposed to uh, flaws or dangers of the internet. Uh, the internet is um, a really great place where a lot of really great things can happen, but often it's not the safest place, uh, even uh, mental safety, let alone other kinds of, uh, of danger that, that might be there. There's also lack of interaction. Uh, so much kids, kids report that they really miss out. What they miss out most on is that face-to-face -face interaction that happens in a classroom. They miss uh, having that interaction. What's funny is you almost felt like you were begging your kids to have that kind of interaction before, and now that's the very thing that they say that they might miss the most. There's also a lack of motivation. That's another big thing that lots of kids challenge with. There's uh, there's some natural incentives to being next to another student, and you see them working on a problem, and so you want to work on the problem too. That just doesn't always happen that way. And then lastly, I would say we just saw unpreparedness. Um, oftentimes, remote learners, especially really young learners. I mean, we've got 
we've got second graders and third graders on Zoom calls trying to learn. Well, they're just so easily distracted. The uh, learning time becomes and feels often impersonal. And all of these challenges sort of add up uh, to create a really difficult scenario for so many learners, virtual learners across the country. No doubt. So I'm even thinking about a parent that wrote in, and uh, she was just uh, not grumbling, but she was just talking, mourning the very thing you just brought up. Yeah. And she wrote, and I quote from her, she said, my kids weren't, weren't started not setting their alarm in the morning uh, to get up for class. And when I'd call them on it, they would tell me, half the class isn't there, Mom. I don't have to go. So again, we, we benefit, as you just said, from being with each other. The, the friendly accountability of just being there next to a student that's working, well, they're not next to anybody. Absolutely. Fact, they're staying in bed and, and maybe not even going. So I'd like to talk about four specific ideas uh, to teach students self-management. Part of the issue is we can't teach with the same pedagogy we did when we were all together. If we're not together, how do we pivot? And I just want to share, these are simple ideas, but I think they're profound if we actually implement them. So let's jump in. First of all, I think we need to recognize that the pandemic didn't cause the problems in our schools. It just exposed them. Absolutely. We were exposed to our unreadiness for all of this. Especially the life skill of self-management. <laughs> That's right, exactly. One school administrator put it this way. We've dropped them in the woods and never taught them self-management skills. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, put them in wilderness without a compass, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very true. So these four ideas are specifically going to be directed toward kids, but what we can do to better lead kids so that they can manage their emotions, their bodies. Yes. Let's make sure we're showing up and doing what we need to do. All right. So fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Number one, I think the first step that I would take if I were you as an educator or a coach or youth leader is to connect their schoolwork to a goal they have. Mm. So if there's nothing else true about Generation Z, it is this. They are very pragmatic and they want everything to be relevant for their life. We've taught them that way. So what we got to do is not just say, we're taking science class because you got to take science class. Yeah. We need to say, all right, let's do a why first. Let's talk about how this is going to be relevant for your life. I think the challenge for many students is they don't see the relevance of the current courses they're taking, and they don't connect the dots to what they want to do in life. So I know this is hard for perhaps algebra where a kid goes, I don't know if I'll ever use this. Yeah. Um, and some teachers would go, you, you probably won't. But we've got to do better at connecting it to the, to the goal. So um, maybe you pose the question, do you want to make a good income as an adult? Uh, or do you want to be able to afford a nice place to live, a car, food to eat? Well, finishing your education is going to get you that goal. You may not see the current relevance of every course you take, but the end goal is you're going to be much more ready financially. So both of these require a person to be a good learner. I would suggest that maybe you teach the habitude our habitudes are images that form these good habits and attitudes. Discipline bridge. Yes. And the truth of discipline bridge, as you know, Andrew, is simply this. Anywhere your students want to get to in life, they're probably going to have to cross a bridge called discipline. Now, this is a metaphor, but um, it's the path to any worthwhile goal. Winning the lottery is a low probability. Getting rich from Uncle Joe's will is probably a low probability. Yes. In order to reach our goals, we're going to have to be realistic and realize i got to cross a bridge called discipline. Absolutely. Use that metaphor. Talk about how you 
as a parent or teacher or whatever, have had to cross bridges called discipline to get to your goals and just say, this is going to be up to decision you make. Yeah, the goal is to stop seeing discipline as a negative thing. Yeah. But secondly, to uh, during in the midst of all the difficult things of doing virtual school, we're constantly keeping in mind the end goal. And that's really the challenge is to get students to think about, I want to graduate well, yeah. I want to go to a good school, I want to have this yeah. kind of job. If they can keep those goals in their mind, it makes the daily grind so much easier. No doubt about it. So that's number one. Number two, help them find healthy accountability from people they respect. Mm. So when I was a student, I always performed better when I was being watched. Um, I played better basketball because fans and cheerleaders were present. Um, I remember running track and running even better in front of the cheerleaders. I just, my form was better. <laughs> somehow it Somehow just it just worked out that way. Well, you know, there was a principle being watched. We all do better when we're watched. Yes. So I achieved more academically when I worked in a group and I invited accountability for study, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm saying here, help students find an outsider that they really respect to meet with them and hold them accountable to the commitments they've made in school. This, this has to be a person they admire and they esteem so they don't lie about their progress. Um, you and I both know accountability, accountability usually leads to responsibility. Mm. Accountability usually leads to responsibility. So sponsorship from others leads to ownership of self. I'm going to suggest that you teach the habitude sturdy guardrails. Love it. So isn't it true we don't really notice guardrails on the road we're driving on unless we need them? Mm-hmm. Suddenly we're on a, around a bend and suddenly, oh my gosh, thank God there's a guardrail there. Same is true. with People and standards that we invite into our life are the guardrails we need to get to the place we need to get to. Uh, guardrails are present to keep you on the road you choose to be on. So it is with accountability partners. They're sturdy guardrails. They guard you and they prevent you from veering off the road. Yeah, so. this is so good. One way you might do this is uh, think about in your school or in your organization, there's probably older kids and younger kids. Maybe that might be a great opportunity to create a mentoring relationship between yeah. a senior and a freshman in high school. That's going to create some accountability. That freshman's going to want to impress the senior. And so maybe uh, that might be a great way to achieve this, this goal. Yeah, good. All right. So a third step you can take to build this self-management thing is to level consequences that they care about for failure to follow through. Mm. So sometimes the consequences we level as teachers, coaches, parents, they don't care about those. Taking a phone away is one that yeah. might be, but putting, uh, sending them to the room, they might go, hey, fine, see you Thursday. You know? So part of the problem with reaching uh, or teaching, I'm sorry, self-regulation, is we remove the consequences for failing to keep agreed upon commitments. We're, we're seeing such a stressed out student, we go, well, I don't want to have another source of stress. So we remove the consequences. This is not good. Teachers and parents have too often covered for teens and those students who never learned to how life works. So um, there are benefits to following through on commitments and there are consequences for failing to follow through. Yep. If we rescue our students from consequences, they won't mature or learn self-management, which is what we're talking about now. I believe maturity occurs when we pay for what we say and do. I love that. That's what we're really talking about. Yeah. So I'm going to suggest that maybe the habitude for a good discussion might be half-hearted mountain climber. Love this one. Yeah. So it is a good one. So think about this, listeners. Half-hearted mountain climber. There really isn't a such thing as a half Africa. No one climbs a mountain on accident. It's true. It's done by committing to finish what we what started. It's done on purpose and through dedication. 
when climbers stop taking action steps forward, they cease moving forward. Um, think about a mountain climber for just a minute. Um, you could get halfway up and say, and yeah, I'm gonna, just going to take a break. And by the way, if you take a break, you often go, this is too hard. I'm not going to finish this. Yeah, thing. it's true. Mountain climbers, true mountain climbers are people that reach the, the pinnacle or the peak and they go, I did it because it was hard and I followed through on the very commitment I started to. This is a, maybe what your students are facing is, is going to feel like climbing a mountain. Yeah. And it, it's daunting. Yeah. And they're going, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to stop halfway, quarter way, three quarters way. And we need to remember this is scaling a mountain and, um, when we stop taking steps forward, we're just gonna we're Absolutely. we're just gonna cease everything we had committed ourselves to. So this involves time management and and completing assignments. Yeah, the 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 comparison you often make with this one is uh, we're very very involved, but we're not often very committed. Yeah. And I say yeah. that's exactly what's happening in the virtual classroom. They're there, but they're not really committed to succeeding. Yeah. And and leveraging consequences for decisions is one way to kind of create the incentive to really create that commitment. Yeah. So number four, the last one, um, what if we changed our leadership style from prescriptive to descriptive? Mm. This is one we've mentioned before, but I want to drill a little bit deeper here. This is absolutely critical on our part. They're going to need to change to build self-management skills, but we got to change as well. So part of the reason students are unready to manage their own lives is that adults, and that's parents and teachers, have prescribed each step of the way for them. Mm. We didn't stop managing it for them as they grew older. Now, certainly you need to manage it for them when they're six years old, but not when they're 16. Yes. They should be managing their lives, and if they're still needing us, something's gone awry. At times, parents do their homework for their kids. Mm. Um, uh, this is just one illustration. Um, descriptive leadership, is, which is what I'm prescribing now to you, to not be prescriptive, I'm prescribing this. Descriptive leadership means we meet with a student describe together a desired goal, and then allow that student to describe the steps they need to take to reach it. Now, at first, they're going to say, I don't know what to do. I know you don't, but I'm going to ask you to think in a different way, not just about what, but how, not just about what, but why, and make them come up with it. Now, you're the guide as they do this, but they need to do this. Yes. So while this process may be new and slow, um, they'll learn to own their own growth. They'll practice metacognition, making discoveries just in time, not just in case, um, and unlike our usual, usual style of, of leadership. If kids learn on a need-to-know basis, then we need to create the need-to-know. Absolutely. So the habitude I'm going to recommend here is drivers and passengers. Mm. People approach life like they approach a car. They're either passengers just along for the ride and then blaming someone else when they didn't get to the desired goal, um, or they're drivers, and they own the ride. They arrive at the destination safely because they owned how they're going to get it. I love it. I love it. Well, this is exactly the attitude that we need to um, create, right? When we incentivize them, when we push them to think in this way, we ask them to make that shift. Uh, I always say it, it's a 12-inch move to the left, yeah. but it represents a totally different mindset yeah. in the way that you approach life. And this is exactly the spirit that we need to, uh, to, to harbor when we're, when we're talking with them. Uh, one of the things I love about this habitude is the moment where you kind of came up with it was actually yeah. when you were working with your daughter, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. So my daughter learned, and son, by the way, learned all four of these. Discipline bridge, uh, sturdy guardrails, 
half-hearted mountain climber and then uh, drivers and passengers. But the moment this came, I wasn't planning on coming up with a new habitude that day, but when Bethany was 16, uh, this was many moons ago, we, I remember distinctly hopping in the car for the first time when she's on the driver's side mm-hmm. behind the wheel. And I'm for the first time with her anyway, on the passenger side, buckling up and, you know, praying. Yes, of course. Yeah. Natural. So so, um, I remember leaning over to her and beginning to say something before she put the key into the ignition. And I did something I told myself I would never do to my children. (laughs) I turned into my own father. Uh You know, I had this talk, this lecture. And what I found myself saying intuitively without thinking or planning to do this was, Bethany, honey, all your life up until this point, you've been a passenger when it comes to cars. Meaning when you hop into a car, you always hop into the backseat or the you know, shotgun, and you put your earbuds in and just were along for the ride. You're waving to friends out the window or looking at buildings as we pass by or billboards or listening to your music, but you didn't have to think about where you're going. Mm-hmm. That was your posture. I said, Bethany, you're a driver now. And drivers just think differently than passengers do. It's not that the ride isn't going to be fun, but you're thinking about turn left, turn right, veer left, veer right. You're thinking about all the moves you're going to have to make to get to the desired destination because you're behind the wheel. You're the driver. Yes. And, 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 it's, and, and I even said this. It's a little bit like thinking differently when you're the employee at the company or the organization or you're the owner or the boss. Yeah. They think differently. I'm saying, Bethany, you're a driver. I must have said you're a driver now 10 times. Yeah. But it suddenly hit me, this wasn't just about cars. No. It's about life. People approach life in this same way. And we began to talk. I'm sure she was ready to drive the car, not have the yes. talk. But I know that sunk in that day because I started thinking about her future at 17 and 20 and 21 and 22. So really, this is a mindset about self-management and, and, and owning your life rather than blaming or waiting for someone else to do it for you. Yeah. I think it's a posture we have to take. Yeah, and I love that. I love that story. I love that habitude. It goes back to something that you said earlier. I think these are not problems that are new. It's instead exposing yeah. a lack of this competency, for lack of a better word, uh, that that oftentimes was was missing. Yes. When kids were missing self-management before, there was a teacher there, there was a parent yeah. there, there were all these people who could help kind of pick up the slack. Now when that kid's in the virtual classroom, in their own room with no adults physically in the room with them, it's all on them. And I think it's in that moment that we need them to choose to be drivers. Drivers and passengers is one of my favorite habitudes. It is the absolute epitome of this concept uh, of self-management. You are the only one who can direct your life, and that is a a skill that kids need today, now, more than ever. But we also know they're going to need it in their future. So can we beseech you, to use that (laughs) term, uh, to teach your students about this important concept of self-management of drivers and passengers? In fact, this is just one of many competencies that we have and that we develop in our program, Habitudes for Social-Emotional Learning. In fact, all of the the habitudes Tim shared with you today are from that that curriculum that we have called Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. If you're at the beginning of this journey and wanting to do more of these, even honestly, if it's around the dinner table or if it's in the classroom or or wherever you're uh, leading students or kids, uh, I I just want to commend this resource to you. 
um, habitudes for social emotional learning can be uh, found at growingleaders.com slash SEL. You'll be able to try a free sample. You'll be able to get a quote on how to use it. You'll be able to check out our platform, Habitudes Online, uh, where you can actually get access to lots of different tools that will help you uh, communicate these important concepts. It's a really fantastic resource and thousands and thousands of educators and leaders are using it all around the country and in fact around the world. So I just want to want you to check that out, growingleaders.com slash SEL. These are vital life skills that today's kids really, really need. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. Uh, as well, if this was helpful to you, please feel free to share it with a friend. Um, uh, pass it along, send it in a text, whatever you want to do, uh, but just tell somebody about it. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we love connecting with you there. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview, things you want us to cover or talk about, uh, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Tim, thank you so much for leading us and for challenging us to think about the importance of developing self-management in today's students. Thank you guys for listening. Go out there and start developing the next generation, and we'll see you next time.